Hi everyone, it's Brian Mateo Venegas. Thank you for joining us this evening. Had a small change in uh, what you're going to hear tonight. Uh, Michael Romero and I had a great time talking about our favorite uh, video game movies, but we decided that we were just going to focus on uh, the worst, not the best. Much more interesting and we had a ton of fun. At the beginning of the segment, I'll go ahead and recap which ones we liked and then we'll dive into the two that we actually, we like them because they're terrible. But it was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy it. Also, uh, we had Trivia and Where Are They Now, which is a new segment where I feature people from the 80s and 90s mostly that, uh, in my opinion, it's, it's, a, great, uh, it's a great story to, to see where their careers have gone and where they are currently. Uh, other than that, uh, tonight I'd like to dedicate the podcast uh, to the passing of my best friend, Sadiqi Harris, um, my partner in crime and, and, and really an inspiration to me, fellow artist. Um, we were just the best of friends for over 20 years. Uh, passed away uh, a few months ago and uh, just wanted to let everyone know that uh, he was uh, an inspiration to me, including getting involved with this podcast. That being said, I hope you enjoy tonight's tonight's episode of Robot Love. I'm Brian Mateo Venegas. Good evening and welcome to the Robot Love Podcast. Uh, welcome back to Robot Love. Once again, I am here with Mr. Michael Romero, and we are talking about video games that turn into movies. We're not going to have time to talk about movies that turn into video games, which is a whole other uh, subject. So we just went over the two that we thought were the best. I picked Resident Evil, and you picked Street Fighter, at least the first of those films in the respective series. Now, That's it gives me, kind of gives me pleasure because I really do like um, bad video game movies, and I love talking about them, and just it's amazing to me. So the one I picked was the 2010 movie Prince of Persia, The Sounds of, Sands of Time. Uh, which had Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, Gemma uh, Artenden as Amina. Now, I'm just going to give you, first of all, uh, it's an epic franchise. It's one of those franchises in video games that started out um, very, very humble and pushing the maximum uh, processing power that you could out of the early computers. First one to have motion capture, uh, things like that. You know, in fact, the game, the character in the game, uh, is actually the developer's brother, and it's got an interesting, um, an interesting background for that. Uh, but so the gentleman who created the game was Jordan. Uh, I believe it's Mechner. You don't really hear a lot about him anymore. And th- it was from 1990. And the rotoscope motion capture that I mentioned was really impressive for the time. Uh, games in 1990 were a little difficult to really want to play. And uh, 1990 was still not that far off from the video game. Uh, bubble and things like that. So uh, Prince of Persia was a game, Prince of Persia 2, uh, Shadow Flame, and there were you know, several several um, sequels and also a 3D version, which he really wasn't that involved with and wasn't happy with the, how it went. At any rate, it's about uh, our hero is a prince of Persia, <laughs> and he has to rescue uh, his fiance, and she's been, it's kind of like Aladdin. And it, it's almost the same plot as Aladdin. Wouldn't you think so? I actually, I went ahead and watched it um, recently so that way I could have a little bit more reference to it. So 
it did have a little bit of that feel of of Aladdin um, towards the end because at the beginning of it, the movie starts out that you know he's an orphan and he's taken in by the king, and then he becomes like one of the king's sons and most trusted people because he's not after the throne, and then his right hand man, who's just like a warlord, is trying to take over the land where the princess is from, um, and when they take it over, there there's a certain treasure that they were actually looking for. No one knew what it was. The prince did not have a clue what it was, but he ended up fighting the sand dagger. And when he found the sand dagger, he like looked at it, thought it was like this is really cool. Didn't know exactly what it was, so he just kept it as a prize for defeating the, this this uh, this civilization. Um, so he kept it as a prize, and then they brought the princess back to their nation, Persia, and she saw it. She knew what, she knows exactly what it is because she's a keeper of time, the sands of time. And so it just kind of, the movie just progresses on from there. Yeah. And, uh, the original plot line of the game, I didn't, you know, I played it and I didn't love it because I don't love timers. <laughs> I don't love the anxiety that comes along with you have 30 seconds. And, you know, because the, the basically the, the power that he had was, was to manipulate time, but it also put, you know, you in jeopardy of running out of time before you, you know, reached the checkpoint or rescued uh, the princess. Now, the original one, the the uh, the evil lord's name was Jafar, and it's pretty close. Uh, but I believe 1990. Which one came first, the Disney film or when was? I shouldn't have done my research, but this, this is kind of came to me that um the disney film came out in 2001 so the first uh so the movie came out or so the original game was 1989 for prince of persia and -hmm. then 93 for the the shadow flame and then 99 for the 3d but it really didn't pick up any steam from followers until it actually hit the like the playstation and the xbox originally so that's when they came out with the sands of time in 90 or 2003 and then 2004 was the warrior within. So that was considered the Prince of Persia 2, which was just confusing for a lot of people because you're used to playing all these other game, these older games. But it seemed like a new beginning and a new game at that time in the early 2000s. And yeah. the warrior within was the one that we see in the film. Yeah. And um, that being said, it, it as other like kind of Disney interpretations of video games or, you know, taking animated films to live action. I really went in watching it being like, wow, this is going to be cool. You know, the, I saw the preview in the theater and I'm like, this is going to be really great. I don't really, I'm kind of ambiguous about Jake Gyllenhaal. It's not like some people are all (laughs) into him and some people aren't. I don't really care. This movie made me really not into him. (laughs) It took me off of, (laughs) off of that defense and put me on the uh, team, not him. Uh, His accent and the movie, oh my gosh. It's like these movies that that insist on on everyone speaking with a British accent. It's irrelevant. The the movie's actually in another language if it was in where it was set. It wouldn't be English, uh, American dialect or, or, you know, Queen's English. It doesn't really matter but they're forcing these accents on people. And he's just like, I will be the Lord of, I'm like, oh gosh, it puts like shivers down my back. My wife, <laughs> my wife has this English accent she does. 
which she knows it drives me crazy. She's like, please, sir, can I have some more? And it's like some weird, like, version <laughs> of a British accent. And she's like, it goes from the back of my neck all the way down my spine. And that's kind of how it was listening to him during this movie. And then I know we talked about this. I, I hope nobody is so much his fan to be insulted. But I think him in this role personally was about as interesting as a bowl of applesauce in a wig. That's kind of, you know, the uh, the amount of allure I thought his performance had. Uh, and just, you know, going through and slow motion sense, some things were almost like Matrix-like because you had time manipulation and um, the CGI for it. I mean, even for that time, it's not spectacular. And the story is, I don't know, man. I mean, it's probably not the worst one, but it's the one that I, I had the most to say about because his performance just bugged me. And in an in interview a couple of years later, he said, that was the worst thing I've ever done. Like, I, 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 I can see you in the movie theater watching it and just like turning your head, crossing your arms and say, that's not my Donnie Darko. <laughs> that's not my Donnie Darko. <laughs> you went from me not caring to me not liking and that's that's, <laughs> that's poo on you. Uh, so I, that's about all I have to say about it. I mean, I don't even think it's worth the oxygen at this point for me to say anything else. You, I think, like the film more. What are your thoughts or insights on this? I mean, I wasn't a big fan of the movie at all. I mean, it it took me a long time to actually. I, I had to. I had to re, for this podcast. I went ahead and watched it again because I didn't enjoy it the first time. Um, it was just one of those movies that it was just kind of banking off, like you said, the Matrix. The camera motion that they used in the Matrix was revolutionary at the time, and so a lot of these other companies were starting to do that and using that style of film to give you the one perception and then turn it around, and so that way you see, you know, their back all the way to their front in that motion of the cameras turning. Um, so, I mean, that part was neat. And I did like the fact that they did stay true to really his out, like his costume and his outfit that he wore in the second or in the second game um, for the PlayStation. So I thought that was mm-hmm. really cool that they at least kept that piece of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. Cause it, and then also they did keep it true a little bit with the, with the uh, t- time, time dagger. So mm-hmm. that also, kind of went hand in hand so, i mean they did good to it but also again it's just another movie that be it was before its time which a lot of these video game movies that we've talked about were way before their time and meaning that they just didn't have the technology to put out everything that they wanted to do or make it even feasible because the cgi was still not that great in the early 2000s it was it was good but not great um again that jump didn't happen again until Transformers really was like the next movie that used a lot of CGI in it. And even just like watching Optimus. Yeah, because even just seeing Optimus Prime change for the first time was amazing. And you just see all the gears moving. So it was. was, And so this movie lacked that piece of it where they were able to, or they weren't able to show what what it could possibly be. Because I mean, even just like the, the sand creatures that you're trying to go, that you're going against in the game and also in the movie didn't really go hand in hand. They were more just like, oh, okay, you know, these are these fan creatures in the game. But then in the movie, it was more like these people are corrupted, but slightly different, but not really more than that. Why, why, do, why do people who produce films who aren't gamers get the last um, say in the process of what 
it should be. The second one, and I'm just going to jump right over because I'm so excited to talk to you about this one again. Um, we share this. Uh, we share this movie as two of our worst. I think this was number one on my list of worst video game uh, movies. My number one as well. Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. First of all, I'm going to let you talk <laughs> about it and tell me, and I'll, I'll give some information as well, but tell me what you know about Super Mario Brothers, the game, and some memories of playing it. So Super Mario Brothers, the game, um, originally started in Japan as well. Um, it was, I can't remember the system's name that was prior to the Nintendo. I know you knew that last time. Yes, uh, and it was, wasn't it Family Com? Thank Keep you. Talking. That's I'll yeah, I'll, yeah, so I'll, we I'll, had, yeah. cool, yeah, so it started with that, and then eventually, um, well, look, I'll start back even further. So the Mario character himself originally started in Donkey Kong. It was the first mm-hmm. game, and it was uh, like you, like we talked about before, that it's a kind of like a side. It's just a single screen, so there's no side scrolling. You got a single screen, and there's just a bunch of different levels going up that were like mm-hmm. metal graphs, uh, metal beams, and then that you climb up the ladders and you'd have to hop over barrels and hop over flames and weird little creatures. And so now, and your objective was to save the maiden at the top from Donkey Kong. So that's what your journey was in that game. Well, then they decided to go ahead and keep that character because he was so iconic to that game and give him his own title, which was Super Mario Brothers. And yep. when they did that, they translated it to the um, to the N- Nintendo, the original one that came out in the 80s. And NES, yeah. I remember, and the first time I remember I played it, I got the Nintendo for Christmas in 1989. So I was about six years old then. So you mm-hmm. imagine my excitement getting my first video game system. And sure. it's just a side scroller. And you're at, the mission is to save the princess in each level. But every level, you're not able to save the princess. It's always Toad until you get to the end of the game. And so you're just going through these different levels, going against different creatures like Goombas, Koopas, um, some squids, flying fish. Etc. You know, you got an angry sun chasing you in the second game. So <laughs> you have a bunch of different weird little little characters throughout the entire series, and it's always just been a fun. It's very family oriented. It's very child friendly, which has always been nice. But then also that a lot that also I would say kind of hurt them because games were getting more sophisticated. Because especially for our generation. We got used to playing games like Mortal Kombat. We got used to playing games like Street Fighter. We got used to playing games Call of Duty, Halo. So we got all these other games that were more violent and stimulating for our older minds. So then we kind of moved away from playing a lot of Mario. That's what I did. Um, I would always go back to it and play like Smash Brothers on 64, and I went back to playing Mario Kart because those are good, fun games to play with your friends. Yeah, because you could and, have multiple uh, players to play it. Yeah, and uh, that that's a good point. Now, if you know anything about Nintendo lately, Nintendo is that's their that's their genre, that's their thing. It's family friendly games. You very rarely, even now, get a violent game that's on GameCube or um, you know anything else. The, the newer generations of Nintendo games, which is refreshing because you can actually. It's neat to to 
have a, a battle with different Nintendo characters where, you know, no one's trying to rip the other person's head off necessarily. It's goofy and, you know, it's, it's refreshing. And uh, so Super Mario Bros., and you had mentioned that uh, the game actually brought a character over from Donkey Kong, which I think everyone's either played or knows about. Uh, I was terrible at it. And that's that's Mario and, and Super Mario Brothers. It's Mario and Luigi, I think. Luigi's his younger yeah. brother. They never yeah. really say. The movie says that. Anyway, um, and like you said, it's it's side scrolling and it's a little bit like Kung Fu. It was it was part of the pack if you had the Kung Fu game or you had um, Super Mario Brothers in the NES. I got the NES in 1985. I'll tell you how how long ago that was. Um, while I was 11, aging myself, but I had a black and white television. So I didn't even know what color the characters were until I was able to afford <laughs> to connect to a color television. That's just sad and weird. Uh, so it was side-scrolling like that. The thing was, it's it was considered, I think some people say that it's considered the best game in the history of games. And now I feel that the a masterpiece of complexity would be like Red Dead Redemption and its successor. I think that this is a masterpiece of equity and of simplicity. It it can't get any better than what their graphics would allow them, and it was fun as hell. I still love playing it. I love playing it more than I did the second, the third, um, any of the racing games. I could sit there and play it. It never really gets old. It's kind of like Street Fighter. On the Street Fighter, you can play it enough and enough, and you get a little bit of uh, um, button fatigue because at that point you're just button mashing, which I think you know most people play video games know what that is. But <laughs> I do, th- I do think it, it's probably the best uh, game in, in you know the history of games, especially for that particular time. Now we murder it with the 1993 film adaptation Super Mario Brothers. <sighs> Where do we start? <laughs> well, let's start with the cast. So the late, great Bob Hoskins is Mario, which he, quote, said later, worst thing he ever did. Uh, Luigi is John Leguizamo, who I think is an incredible actor. I think he was like, gosh, he wasn't even 30. Maybe he was 29. Anyway, he was pretty young. He was super young. Uh, he was super young, and he's always looked younger. He looks younger now than he is. He's, he, you know, he's a little bit older than me. I got a chance to hang out with him a little bit at uh, one of the Comic-Cons when I was promoting my uh, graphic novel. And he just like said, oh, that's really cool. Me. Yeah, he's totally cool. I'll have to send you the, I'll have to post the selfie that I have with him. And he's, he's hilarious. I mean, I said, hey, you know, I've got this graphic novel. I gave him a business card. He's like, hey, man, thanks a lot. And that's great. I mean, good for you. <laughs> that, was my best, that was my best John Leguizamo. Uh, so uh, please put on the page, uh, the homepage. If it was terrible. But anyway, so you know, we were talking about things, and and he was just, you know, I didn't want to like, I didn't want to fanboy him. Uh, I like him, but it's not like you know, I was shaking when I met him, and just super cool. And I can't imagine a guy who's this street savvy and you know, uh, Puerto Rican guy growing up in. I don't remember if he's from Jamaica, Queens, or where he's from, but he's from one of the boroughs. And, it's just amazing. Brings me back to the fact that he also said this was the worst thing he'd ever done. Uh, and there are some anecdotes from both of them regarding the filming of this movie, which was chaotic and had many revisions and, and 
crazy editing and deleting uh, processes. And then he said that he and Bob Hoskins were drunk the entire time because it was the only way that they could get through it, just wasted. And uh, they have no solutions to that. They're like, yeah, we, we totally did. Uh, now, we were talking about the main the, the villain in Super Mario Brothers is a character called King Koopa, uh, also referred to as Bowser. I don't know why they've got two different terms or names for him. And they even and they even changed the name of him too in the movie. In the movie, they called him President Koopa. That's great. Um, ugh, it's just weird. Uh, well, he is like the president of a dystopian world. It's and we'll get more into it, but it's pretty much. It looks a lot like. Um, there's some comics in it. What am I trying to say? What movie with Harrison Ford? Why am I getting this? It, it's Blade Runner. It's very Blade Runner-esque. It's very... It's very um, Blade Runner-esque. Yeah, Running Man. It's it's that futuristic feel that they're in this world. Because, it, it, you know, the movie starts out that they're in Brooklyn and Queens and they're just plumbers. And then they happen to go... They get sucked into this magic warp tunnel, a.k.a the plumbing pipes and yeah. that took him to this other world. And it's, that was quite interesting. Just like the, I call the, it, the idea that they took with it. <laughs> yeah. I call it uh, the great green screen wonder every it's just, it's terrible. Anyway, you would never know if that this would be a casting choice unless you'd seen it, uh, you know, for yourself. Dennis Hopper is King Koopa. And it's just the weirdest decision. And instead of like him being this lizard monster, which he ends up being kind of the lizard monster, uh, in order for them to represent the look of the video game character, which is basically, I would say, like, kind of like a, a man lizard, uh, a silly character. He's got horns and you know spikes going down the back of his head. They gave him these weird corn rolls that were supposed to look like spikes. I mean, just that whole sentence I just said is just terrible. Oh yeah, it was it was totally early '90s, like punk look and just that sci-fi look on top of it. So I think that was like a piece of it to make it make you feel like you're more immersed in the world. But then you know you're taking out of the world right away as soon as you see one of the Koopas that was a human that was turned into a lizard, which makes no sense oh. because Koopas were you know they were just they were just turtles in the game, and then you had the Goombas, which were little walking mushrooms. Mm-hmm. So, like, you didn't even really see that in the actual game, or the actual movie. No, and, and people were saying that if they just stayed a little more canon, and just stayed close to the story, it probably goes down as the best video game movie ever. Because the story is already quirky and silly and funny enough, and, you know, there's a lot of tension when you're fighting the final boss and things like that. They didn't get any of that right. Uh, in the video game, it's Princess Peach is the princess he's trying to save, correct? And, and in the video the, game, yes. We, they're going after Princess Peach. Peach. And then, and, yep. The movie's and Daisy. The movie, yeah, the movie was Daisy. Um, I'm trying to look through my notes here. Samantha Mathis uh, played Daisy, and Daisy was is an archaeologist, and that's how she stumbles onto an artifact that, you know, uh, 
creates, I think that she discovers where the warp and that's how they get into this, this dystopian world that Dennis Hopper, President Koopa is, is running so forth. It was a cash grab movie and it, it wasn't even coinciding with a, with a major um, release of a, of a good Mario game. I think, I want to say that when it came out, it was Mario All-Stars. Super Mario All-Stars was the only game that was being released at the same time as the movie, which, you know, doesn't really make any sense that they would, you know, do a revision of, of Super Mario Brothers. Uh, tell me, so I don't hog all the time on how terrible this is, give me a couple points of perspective. Give me, give me the best, worst parts of it for you. Uh I would say the best worst parts is their final battle with King or President Koopa when they end up like turning his machine on him and transforming him into like a little li- like dinosaur lizard mutant type of thing. And then my I think my favorite part was when they discovered Yoshi because Yoshi was still a newer character to the series mm-hmm. at the time. And like you were saying, yeah, it was hard for them to stick to a storyline. And really back then games in this format, the side scrolling a lot of them didn't have a real story to them. It was just mainly mm-hmm. just you're doing you're, it was more objective based versus story based, which that's what we get later on in the newer Mario games. Cause even playing yeah. smash brothers on the switch right now, there's at least a story mode that I'm going through to unlock all the characters. And then there's like, you know, blurbs every time talking about it. So I think that was a hard thing for them not to really have a whole lot of source material to base it off of. I mean, they were just allowed full, com, com, uh, creative ability and licensing by Nintendo. Nintendo's like, yeah, go and have fun with this. But then they didn't realize how bad it was going to be. And I mean, most of the time with any of these movies, like you said earlier, most of these directors or actors aren't involved in this lifestyle of playing video games or comic books as another example. So they don't know a whole lot about the source material. Mm -hmm. I mean, a, a good example of that, I mean, besides Mario Another good example of that was the writers for Wolverine thought his character was actually a wolf, that he was a man who transformed into a wolf, and that's far from the original storyline or any. That's a werewolf. That's a werewolf. (laughs) Entirely, yeah. I mean, it's even because no, because they they admitted it on the filming of the movie that they didn't know what a Wolverine was. <laughs> wait, wait, so that's go backwards. They didn't know what the animal of Wolverine was, or what the character they, representing Wolverine was. Oh, they didn't know what the animal was. They didn't realize it's just a bigger badger. <laughs> that's more me. Wow, I need I need to find my old Encyclopedia Britannica and shift them to W. The W yeah. to Z. Wolverine. Who doesn't? What are they like frontier people who've never been west of the Mississippi? How do they not know what a Wolverine is? Anyway, that's hilarious. Uh, but you're right. Yeah. Uh, the people who who it, it comes from the top down, and people make decisions. It's 100% the reason. The best the best example of uh, a creator, a director, a producer who just completely took back his material was George Lucas because they wanted to chop the hell out of Star Wars and they wanted to make it in a different direction. And they thought, okay, who's this goofy giant walking carpet? You know, they, you know, the English uh, unionized 
set crew, you know, all these stories, almost walked off mm-hmm. the set because they thought it was stupid and they were taking these crazy breaks and it, you'd only get like 20 minutes of film done a day. So those are examples. I think that the creators of uh, Super Mario Brothers were, I don't know if they were trusting or it was a cultural thing. They thought that it was going to be something good. And it, it really it really made the brand wither on the vine for a few years. In this particular one, as we said, Daisy is the character instead of Princess Peach, and she gets, long story short, she gets kidnapped. They have to they have to find her. Uh, the CGI in this is hilarious. It's kind of like the second um, uh, Mortal Kombat movie. What is it? Annihilation. Annihilation. And yeah, and it is the goofiest thing at the end there when he's changing. It almost looks like somebody was not done rendering something on early Photoshop. It was crazy bad. And then his face is like changing and, and they're taking the image and just basically doing a squash uh, thing with his face. It's it's terrible and it's hilarious. You know, it's not as hilarious as it is sad. And the movie makes me sad and scared. It makes me know like what happened with these people and, and these poor actors. Some of them just it completely ended their careers. That's the, that's it. That's the movie. And it ends and it, you know, the funny part is it ends with a little bit of a, is this, the you know, is a sequel coming? You know, those cliffhangers where they yeah. leave it open to a sequel, which would be probably the worst thing that ever happened since the first one. And, you know, Daisy comes back. They have to say goodbye. John Leguizamo's character, Luigi, falls in love with Daisy, but Daisy's from this dystopian world, this Blade Runner world where President Cooper was. So, you know, they, they kiss, but then they have to be torn apart. And you're like, wow, that's sad. And then you look at your watch and you're like, come on, let's, let's wrap this up. And then at the end, you know, they're back in Brooklyn, they're Queens, wherever they, they are, and they're plumbers again. And she shows up at the door and she's like, I need you via like back to the future, complete back to the future. Like she's like, I can't tell you what's going on, but get your gear. And I'm like, what? 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 <laughs> luckily, luckily that never happened. And some heads rolled because it took $48 million to make it. And it took in uh, 20 million, 20.9 million at the box office. That's Waterworld-esque. That's worse than Waterworld. That's, that's God, we should do a show on just all the biggest flops because oh, it, that'd, that'd it, be fantastic. Ishtar, Ishtar, it, did it, like, I'm trying to think proportionately, I think it was a bigger flop than Ishtar. They started a, a huge budget, but man, I don't think that it only brought in half. Anyway, so it, it was a disaster, and I think that's all I have to say. Please give me anything else you have thought-wise around this movie. You were very young when it came out, but you know, in hindsight, you have seen it a few times. Yeah, so I it's, I will say one thing though um, that was interesting that this movie was John Lane Lozamo's. Uh, starting role that actually got him a lot bigger. This and mm-hmm. Carlito's Way were like the two movies that actually jump-started his career entirely because, I mean, he was in a few other movies, obviously, but that's what really got him started was these two movies, and it was such a such a huge flop, but, uh, and it was the one time that Luigi had a win because most of the time it's always Mario, he's the hero, and then, Mar- and then Luigi's the sidekick, so that was kind of a neat direction that they kind of went with on mm-hmm. this piece, 
Um, cause to me, yeah. I mean, the younger guy would probably get the princess in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's just so funny. And, and Bob Hoskins, he's such an incredible actor. He's, you know, obviously he's British and he's casting the role of someone who's got to have kind of a Brooklyn accent. He, he does a decent job. We're going to learn a little bit more about the casting process, um, in our trivia. I'm going to jump into trivia. Are you ready? Yep. Okay, so a little disclaimer. We had another version of this that we did where we already went through these trivia questions, so can you act kind of surprised and baffled? I sure can. All right. (laughs) First piece of trivia that has to do with the Super Mario Bros. movie is two people who showed interest in playing Mario but were not given the role. And I'll just tell you because it's not really an A, B, C, or D. Dustin Hoffman and Tom Hanks both wanted the role. Tom Hanks being obviously a a man who's six feet at least, and Dustin Hoffman just doesn't really look like Mario. It's weird. But those two actors had had an interest in playing this, and uh, apparently, according to the lore, Tom Hanks' uh, agent was trying to get him to part, and the producers of Super Mario Brothers said, you know, we don't want to take the chance with him. He's kind of box office poison. I don't remember what movies he had before them, but they did very poorly. This is very early on in his in his career. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as you know, the first move, movie he did was a horror movie based on the concept. It was his first movie was a movie based on Dungeons and Dragons when the hysteria was still a popular idea in this country that it was witchcraft. So in the movie it's him playing an evil guy, killer slash demonic character uh, that's influenced and possessed by Dungeons and Dragons. It is a horrible view. Uh, I don't even think that's his first one. He was a, he was a serial killer in another one, like a camp scare movie. Anyway, I'm throwing that out there. Please, you know, hmm. I, I, I do hear from folks saying, what are you talking about? So please reach out to me and tell me how wrong I am in this case. But that is interesting. Dustin Hoffman and Tom Hanks, both of which I am baffled that they would even be considered, which they weren't. There's a person who turned it down who would be extraordinary as Mario. Danny DeVito was approached to be Mario, and somebody had his ear who actually cared about him and said, no, this is something you shouldn't do. Batman's just around the corner. Uh, Nintendo began, <laughs> uh, began as a company selling which products? Uh, it started originally selling... Uh... Oh, what was it? It was it wasn't even video games either. It was um, uh, I can't remember. It was like mo- game was related. No, playing cards. That's right. So yeah, so Japan has a, a rich history of uh, loving playing cards, and you know, just like with uh, Pokemon and everything else, they, they love it. And it was something that culturally, for hundreds of years, they played some type of a game involving cards. So uh, they were a very successful company. Uh, I think, I want to say pre-World War II and even after uh, during, you know, the reconstruction of of the Japanese industry. Um, So that's cool. Uh, Like I said, it's an extremely old company and it exactly goes back to the 1800s. I'm just reading some of my notes. Um, One of the most popular in Japan. Okay, so there's that. Which game series, and you can actually answer this one. You don't have to pretend like you don't know it. 
which game series features <laughs> cities called Vice City, Liberty City, and San Andreas? That would be Grand Theft Auto. Bing, bing, bing. Awesome. And thank you for pretending like we haven't done this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> gee, Brian, I don't know. You had some equipment problems. Well, That's what, what we're doing what? again. <laughs> but that, uh, so, that's the life of podcast, so. That's the life of podcast. Uh, and like we said in the first thing, I've got these followers from around the world, and they're probably listening to this one going, what are you talking about? You're really rusty, Brian. So the Kingdom of Hyrule is the main setting for which classic video game franchise? Legend Zelda. Legend of Zelda. And it's interesting, people who are super nerds will correct them. It's not the Legend of Zelda. It's the Legend of Zelda. Just there are no articles in the title. Um, and I will say, the one thing that's always been weird to me, that it was named Legend of Zelda. Because it's mm-hmm. not really Zelda you're going through as Link. So growing up for a long time, I always thought Link was Zelda. And Me many too. of us did think that. I mean, even like with, with uh, Metroid and Samus, everyone just assumed Samus was a was a man, but it was a woman the entire time. And that was mind-blowing. And then, yeah, you find out this about the character, and you're like, oh, really? I did not know that. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it it is something that surprised me, and um, I think that Legend of Zelda could very well. I don't know between that and Super Mario Brothers. I actually like Legend of Zelda more. I think it was a really sophisticated game. It 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 became the game that everyone copied after that for, uh, you know, doing. RPGs and it was and, and it was like nice that. and it was nice too because it, it was it was more than just a side scroller. You could go up, down, left, right, and you would be on, on a different part of the map in that. And then you had to like figure out the puzzles in it and just figure out those pieces and then eventually you go fight Ganon to save Zelda because you had to get the Triforces. So that was always a little bit more challenging. There was more of a story to it. I mean, even in the new, in the newer and well, still older games, but they're the newer ones from the first one, first two, they had more of a storyline that was built around it. And it yeah. could be either light or dark which was nice. It was, it was a good bridge and gap filler for adults and kids that kids both could still play this and also adults would still play it too and enjoy it. Yeah. It, and it had a really interesting, um, I'd like to call it bird's eye view, uh, gameplay, call it, you know, um, point perspective, a little bit of a, a, a foreshortened view, but you know, you, some people call it the God view. So you see it, see it down it's not first person they did first person in a couple of the sequels didn't they and they were really bad yeah it was like a first, first person, person was yeah first person was more for first person shooting versus this because i mean even like with when we talked about resident evil they originally started out with the game as third person view which you're it's like you're seeing everything over their shoulder so that yeah. helps you kind of be immersed with the character which was a, a neat feature. But then like the last two, um, Resident Evil, uh, The Village and the one, or Biohazard, those ones were first-person shooter. And it, I will say, I'm severely or, or immensely loving it. Because, yeah, like I said, I started mm-hmm. playing The Village last night, and I'm really loving this percepti- perception because you feel more emergent in the, in the, in the situation. First-person only works for certain things where the third person is much better or the God mode is much better. 
But I feel like, yeah, I think they went in the right direction with Resident Evil to do that. One of the hardest things about playing Resident Evil prior to it, you know, uh, transitioning to first person, in my opinion, was that you had to kind of line up your character with the enemy exactly. Like you couldn't, there was no give between forward, right, left to actually engage them. So half the time you're swinging a knife or a bat or something and you're like on a different parallel. It, it was weird, but I do agree. It, One of the games I think... The, the controls were very clunky. I, uh, they I went back and played Resident Evil 2, the remake, and even then, like, the controls still feel clunky to me now. I'm like, okay, this feels really weird. Because, yeah, like you said, you had to get right in front of them to either hit them or even when you're trying to get a shot off on them because it didn't also have auto-aim at the time. So it was yeah. harder to get, like, any shots on them. It was a tough game. It was a tough game, and now you've got uh, games that have absolutely perfected or on their way to perfecting first-person shooters like Red Dead Redemption 2 and um, Far Cry, which I have pre-ordered Far Cry 6, and it's backlogged in production because of COVID. But it's um, the main villain in it is the character actor who plays uh, the main villain in Better Call Saul. Hmm. And, and Breaking Bad, extraordinary actor. Yeah. I unfortunately don't know his name. Out of that's pretty disrespectful, and I speak so highly of him, and I don't know his name. But he looks amazing. And Far Cry, I, you know, Primal was weird. There was one that was set um, in kind of caveman times. It was okay, and but it's a really solid series. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm just gonna look through for our next. Oh, this this one. Just makes me smile. Uh, Pac-Man makes me smile. What are the three main protagonists in Pac-Man in a sense of all games throughout the series? So you had Pac-Man, you had Miss Pac-Man, and then you had, my guess was Pac-Man Jr. Yes, and I should probably state that there is kind of two right answers because you had Baby Pac-Man and Pac-Man Jr., and the only reason I, I didn't say both of them is because I think baby Pac-Man turned out to be Pac-Man Jr. I think there was only one child. And I know that this sounds weird, logisticizing Pac-Man's family tree. But yes, <laughs> yes. And I'm glad that you got Miss. It is Miss Pac-Man. She was not married. Most of no. And she And she was the main one that a lot of people actually played. And just didn't know it. And the only difference between her and Pac-Man was the bow on her head. Yes, she had a bow. And that, you know, that she, I think she had lipstick too, didn't she? Uh, I oh, think man. she did have a little dab of red on the tip, the very tip of the of the thing. Terrifying. But do you know what? Uh, but I will. I I I I did come up with a a quiz question for you. Oh, Pac-Man, what, what was his original what was his original name? Pac-Man's original name. I don't know, but I'm gonna make up something silly and say Mr. Mr. Eat Dot. That sounds Japanese. Sounds Japanese, doesn't it? It was, it was it, you know, it's a good well, I will say it was a good guess. His original it, name was Puck Man. And the Puck reason Man. why they changed yeah, so because he looked like a putt from hockey. And oh. so they ended up changing his name when they came to the U.S. because they were worried that kids were going to vandalize the machine, 
changing it from Puck Man to F Man. Well, and if you say Puck Man more than twice in a row, your mind automatically fills that gap, and you you could gasp. So I I think, and they've done that with with a lot of. I don't remember, and please look it up on Google. I don't know some of these things, but I know that they have some some funny anecdotes involving them. Donkey Kong was had another name when it was in Japan, and I don't. They wanted to. Well, first of all, they wanted to have King Kong, but obviously at that time King Kong was you know even from the first film, I think it was it was not uh, uh, able to be. It was copyrighted at that time. I think it's it's open now, but. So it was supposed to be King Kong, so there was Donkey Kong, but there's some weird story of how they got to Donkey Kong. I always thought that was strange. That people don't even think twice about it, but think about it, Donkey Kong. Anyway, um, thank you. that was good trivia, man. I I had no idea that it was Puck Man, and I won't say. And it also another thing, and another thing too, just to put this out there. So Mario's name in uh, Donkey Kong wasn't actually Mario. His name was Jumpman. Jumpman. Wow. Yep. I love the names for people with what they do is their name. I mean I mean jumps. right now my name would my name would be Rooperman right now, so Rooperman. <laughs> Rooperman. My mine would be uh Dog Dad Man. Because uh you know, we both have new puppies and I've got uh two and a half year old Westy and a twelve week old Westy and she is something else. There is no off switch. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that uh, we decided to, that she was going to be a permanent member of our household, but she was asking to get the hobo pack on the stick and, and walk, the, <laughs> walk the tracks. I almost got her a little baby hobo pack. Uh, but, yeah, now this is something that most people don't really know, and I don't think it's something that people even lose a, a night's sleep over. The ghosts. And we did play this, but I'm going to test your memory to see if you remember what the answer was. Give okay. me the. I'm going to give you the color ghost, which obviously, unless you have lived on another planet, this is you know these are the the main uh, bad guys in Pac-Man. So I'm going to start with red. What is the name? The red of one red? was. Let's see. The red one was Blinky. Correct. Correct. One point. Awesome. And. This one's just dumb. Um, the pink ghost name was? Pinky. Obviously. Uh, this is weird. The cyan one's name was? The cyan was uh, Clyde? No. Then it was, if it's not Clyde, then it's Inky. Inky, correct. And I always get those two back backwards. <laughs> And then and orange is Clyde. I think it's amazing. All the it's like Blinky, Pinky, Inky, and Clyde. Just and then you go to Miss Pac-Man. And you and then you go to Miss Pac-Man. You get Sue. And then you go to Pac-Man Junior. You get Ken. <laughs> wow, where were they pulling this? Out? It sounds like uh, the roll sheet for a, a 1980s uh, private school. <laughs> Sue, Timothy. Clyde. They must. <laughs> all I have to say is they they must have just got bored. They must have just been bored parents that just didn't have the answer for what the name was because that's been yeah. my new favorite thing with doing with Bradford because he's really into Star Wars now and he's really into Legos because he's four and he'll ask me like who 
just like a random like stormtrooper figure is. And I just name him a ridiculous name. I'm like, ah, that that guy's Bill. And he just oh. he remembers that name. One of the guys like it, it, that one of his uh, Lego toys. I didn't know what his name was. So I called him Jeff. And that's all I called him. And I forgot that I called him Jeff, which was even funnier because he's just like, yeah, Jeff is in trouble, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, who's Jeff? And he brings him over. I'm like, oh, that's right. I named him Jeff. <laughs> oh, Jeff, the stormtrooper in accounting, Jeff. He, that guy. I yeah, yeah. I you can't know. remember. There was a comedian, and it was a hilarious bit, and he was talking about the person in the office that is the most obnoxious is the guy that won't let you nickname his full name. So there was something on Reddit where, and I, I knew a guy whose name was Matthew. And if you called him Matt, he would like walk out of the room. It's like, <laughs> uh, so this, this was a guy uh, in this Reddit. They apparently it really happened. His name is Timothy. And he refused to let you call him Tim. So they got him a sheet cake for for his birthday that said it said Happy Birthday, Mr. Timothy, and they made Timothy like this scroll magic thing. It was amazing. I don't get that. Oh, that's funny. funny. I you love it. I, whatever. I will say I do get it because I I because uh, it's about preference because I personally prefer Michael versus yeah. Mike, which I don't I won't get after people if they call me Mike. The only one I'll get after people is if they call me Mikey because I'm an adult. I'm a 37 year old man. Don't call me Mikey. If I was a child, that's fine. But and I and I remember when I was at my last job, one of the one of my coworkers, one of the first day, he's like, "I'm gonna call you Mikey." I'm like, "I'm an adult. Call me Michael." Yeah, that's those are fighting <laughs> words. And ironically, I have uh, a buddy that I met at uh, when we first moved to Wilmington. And if you haven't listened to the last couple podcasts, everyone, I'm in Wilmington. Moved from Denver to Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, there is a punk rock guy with a Ramones cover band, a uh, huge guy. He's like 6'2", and, you know, just awesome, mutton chops, bald head. Uh, he is the nicest, most gen- gentle guy. His name is Mikey, and uh, he likes Mikey. Maybe he just likes to have that kind of a, uh, the image of a, of a really rough, tough punk rock guy with the name of a, a four-year-old. But I, is, I, that, is, that is kind of great. It is kind of funny. Like that. In that situation, it works. I rem- I remember there was this one meeting I went to, and it was just funny because I I wasn't even kind of really paying attention because it was an all staff meeting, and then all of a sudden they're doing introductions, and this one guy's like, "My name's Mikey." I'm like, "What?" And I look up to see who Mikey likes talking, it. and then I see it. I was like, "Mikey, okay." And my table asked me about it. They're like, "Well, like, what's your issue with that?" I was like, "He's a damn adult." It takes, it takes, it, 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 it's, it's like a it's a vaudeville bit. I mean, it's 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 funny. <laughs> it's funny. If a huge, mean-looking guy calling himself Mikey. Not so great if a guy in the next cubicle calls himself Mikey. I mean, that's like his mommy calls him. But uh, uh, it, it's funny because my my brother's name is Jeffrey, and uh-huh. um, I don't know. I don't know if my mom like liked us or um, she. We have apparently, I don't know. She's gone back in in history and she's done ancestry and things. We directly related through some family members to um, members of the royal family, like pre, like the Plantagenets and things like that. And one of the uh, relatives we have actually there's a portrait. His name is Jeffrey, and I was like, why did you name Jeff Jeffrey? And she won't call him Jeff. 
she says, Jeffrey, sweetheart, Jeffrey. And I'm like, oh, this guy is a battle-hardened Marine. Call him Jeff. He served our country. He deserves better. But uh, so, yeah, and then my sister, my sister's Carrie and, and Brian, just kind of those run of the mill names there are. But I do get it. And that's a total tangent, but it's hilarious. Happy birthday, Mr. <laughs> Timothy. Uh, I got one more um, trivia question, and then we are going to do the where Where are they now? And folks, where are they now is I take one person, preferably from the 80s or 90s, in popular culture and give you an update. And if you don't know this person's update, I don't know where you've been living, perhaps under a rock. So the last the last question I have for you in our trivia section is the first first person shooter. First person shooter would have been Wolfenstein. Yes, and you you cheated from the last one. <laughs> but I did it. But I got it right after I was like Doom, and then I was like, no, it's not Doom. It was Wolfenstein because I remember Wolfenstein came out first. Yeah, Doom Doom is the one that everybody picks. But I do remember you corrected yourself and you said Wolfenstein. That is some deep deep video game stuff. That's not that's not amateur stuff. That's yeah, no, and that's I I remember I remember playing that game back in the day. Like it was it was a pretty intense game back then because I mean you're killing Nazis and when you're shooting them like there there's blood everywhere. So that just opened up the um the whole genre for that type of thing for the first person shooters and everything. And it was so revolutionary and it was cool because you'd have to find secret rooms and it was just fun. I mean you get to kill Nazis and a robotic hit. Yeah. With her. Who, who, who doesn't want to do that? Now, weren't the Nazis zombies? Not in that one. It wasn't until they got into the newer versions of them. Um, the remakes recently were more zombies because they were just mm. following the zombie craze. Yeah, I, I'll be honest with you, and, and everyone has their thing. Zombies don't do it for me. Uh, Resident Evil, I was just like, oh, they're zombies, okay. But people are zombie crazy. It doesn't mean that it's not awesome. I mean, I think you love zombies, right? Oh, I love zombies. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things. The only thing I haven't kept up on was uh, was uh, The Walking Dead. I haven't watched, like, the last two seasons because I decided to finally get rid of cable, but I just need to catch up on it. But also, it's kind of hard to watch them now having a child. So that's what makes that hard yeah. for me because, I, obviously, I can't watch that. It's wait until he goes to sleep and if he goes to sleep it's anywhere between nine o'clock all the way to one depending on his mood yeah isn't it it's <laughs> the complete series is on netflix right Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and there's, I saw, and they're getting ready to and they're going to finish up the net the next or next uh season will be their last season which i will say it's kind of good that they're finally ending it um just because they are running out of ideas to keep it fresh and everything i think after negan's introduction into the into the show that that was kind of like the turning point for the series where it was going to go but i still love it i still enjoy it um i just want to get caught up on all that stuff yeah sometimes you just got to wrap it up that's a wrap and uh one of my favorite sayings and a lot of people use it is jumping the shark and they are jumping the shark. Uh, a lot of these series just, and um, for the people who don't use that term or aren't familiar with it, Happy Days, which I watched all the time. Well, I, it was on one day a week in syndication. You know, it was a little bit before my time. 
But Fonzie Fonzarelli hey. was the coolest. Hey, Richie. That was the worst impression in the world. Uh, but he was like the cool guy. He could fix things by just hitting them. He could snap his fingers. And two Bobby Sox, you know, girls or cheerleaders would come out of nowhere. And he'd walk out the door with them. Kind of a weird show that way looking back. But he was, um, he rode a motorcycle and he was a stunt rider. And he, I think one episode he jumped buses. Henry Winkler was Fonzie, who couldn't be the more sweet. He couldn't, he's the sweetest man. He's so into just, you know, his family and so forth. So he was the uh, the character of Fonzie, which is wild. And the last episode that he had a stunt in, he was going to jump over a shark on water skis, which is weird. <laughs> the shark was in some type of a container and he was going to go over. I want to say he did his own stunt, but that was the whole thing. Like he was jumping over the shark. It was ridiculous. The shark thing was about the size of somebody's room. Uh, and so in the industry <laughs> after that, they said, if you are de- running out of ideas and you're desperate to, to have things fresh, it's called jumping the shark. Just because you can't just bring a character in or make someone do something outrageous just to keep it interesting. That's when you start jumping the shark, it's time to, to, to <laughs> turn the lights off and, and everybody's got to go home. So that was, I, that was interesting. And I will, and one cool thing, I haven't met Henry Winkler. What? Yeah, I met him over at Mile High Comics. He was doing a signing for a bunch of people. And you're absolutely correct. He is one of the nicest human beings I've ever met. Like he was just, my interaction with him was just, super nice and super sweet. Like he was just very outgoing, very nice. He uh-huh. took a picture Humble. with me, got me on my autograph. And the best part about watching him was his interaction with all these kids. Like most of them probably didn't know who he was. They just went there with their parents, but he was more into the kids and it was just sweet watching him. He did the, the little coin trick that he did in a, what was that? In click where he was yeah. like hiding the quarter and pulling it out of his mouth. He, did that with the kids there at Mile High Comics and I was just like, oh, my heart felt so warm at the time with him. I'm like, you are so sweet. Like, I'm, you, you deserve what, everything you've gotten in life. He, he's, he's a treasure. And that's kind of the, the, the same vibe I got from John Leguizamo. And it's funny, because John Leguizamo plays the toughest guy in the world and he is a thinker. And the first time I saw him was when he did his one-man show and he did all the voices not cheesy like Tracy Ullman, which looking back, mm-hmm. that show was wild and <laughs> very inappropriate. But he, you know, he did all these things, and it was it was this, it was almost like a an epic poem. He was going through different characters, and 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 the, John, if you're listening, I'm a big fan. The impression, please don't kick my ass the next time I see that. I, I did my <laughs> best. You don't sound like that, but I had to I had to give it a shot. Anyway, so just being a guy who plays, it, it, you know, he, he did grow up being a tough kid, but he he's, he definitely was a, a sweetheart when I met him. Um, I am going to jump to trivia, which unfortunately is our last segment. I could probably do this for another two hours because we always have fun, especially things that, you know, in regard to things that we grew up with that, you know, we love to talk about. This trivia I can reminisce is, all day. Oh, me too. Me too. Uh <laughs> This particular trivia is followed by the Where Are They Now segment, and I'm going to do one of my favorite actors ever from the 1980s, early 90s, Mr. Kirk Cameron, the one, the only Kirk 
Cameron Fever. He was in a famous, uh, probably my favorite sitcom in the 80s on ABC was Growing Pains. And he had some pretty high-grossing movies like Father Like Son was one of those classic like father-son body switch comedies with Dudley Moore, which sounds amazingly weird. By the way, body switch comedies, how did they get to be a thing? Um, you had obviously this, like Father Like Son. You had, what were the other two? There's like three or four of them. There's one with Lindsay Lohan. There's one. Can you think of the names of the other ones? It was the um, Freaky Friday. Freaky Friday. Was that was the one. And then there was also Big. Um, I'm trying to think what other movies were like that. I mean, there's I mean, there's several other ones, definitely under yeah. the same premise. They they just they just don't get old, do they? No, they do. Uh, <laughs> but I loved it. I loved that stuff. Uh, so, Growing Pains was uh, kind of like Family Ties. If you watch Family Ties, I mean, I watched both of those shows. Family Ties started a little bit earlier, I believe. They had Michael J. Fox kind of brought him as a Canadian actor into the American marketplace for um, sitcoms at that time. Uh, Growing Pains was one of those uh, life lesson ones that, you know, after everything, there was a life lesson. And um, Alan Thicke was the dad. And one of the Gold sisters was, was his sister. I, I can't remember if it was Tracy Gold or her sister. And it was great. And Kirk Cameron reminded me of my brother. They both had the leather jacket with the thing pulled up and the collar pulled up and, you know, popular and, you know, really cool and just kind of the brother that you wanted to be. During the That's time, funny. his tenure on Growing Pains, he well, he was apparently an atheist, according to his bio, um, for the first couple of years of Growing Pains. I don't know where he came in contact with uh, the born-again Christian movement, but he became probably the most born-again Christian. Born-again Christians go, whoa, because he's so born-again Christian. And uh, <laughs> my family, some of my best friends and family are born-again Christians, and I think they're fantastic people. He got to a point where, and I'll just tell you a little bit about you know, what he's up to right now. So he refused to be in or play the episodes as written at the end of the series. Uh, because they had introduced, and this is kind of jumping the shark too, they introduced um, a character that was apparently his girlfriend. And there were some scenes about, uh, I think they alluded to birth control and teen pregnancy. She had a, a child already and he said, no, I will not do that. And I think that that goes against every, you know, Christian belief that I have. And he started being very difficult to work with. He was making these ad hoc hmm. decisions on, on dialogue and he was having them rewrite stuff to to you know, conform to his beliefs about what was appropriate and inappropriate for television at that time. He eventually moved on. Yeah, he eventually moved on and decided to do his own thing. He's like, well, if you don't play by my rules, I'll just go ahead and make my own production company. For how much he put puts into this money-wise, he makes a gazillion dollars more. Uh, I think it's one of those uh, niches in a U.S. audience that people don't even realize is so big, and that's Christian Christian fantasy books and 
I, they're a thing. I was just at, at a bookstore and, you know, Christian movies regarding some of the things that happen. Like, uh, so for example, Left Behind, he did Left Behind, Left Behind 2. He wrote and directed them, I believe, and he starred in them. And it's basically yep. about the rapture, the rapture, the people who are left behind, literally left behind because of them being sinners and, and showing what they have to do and, you know, Jesus coming and, and the devil and the big showdown and everything else. So, he had a, a extreme success with those movies, um, and I, I want to say he's had like three or four with Cloud Ten Pictures. Um, and so anyway, so he became partners with several of the people in his particular church, um, which was a born again church, and one of his biggest collaborators is a guy named Ray Comfort. And he was a little bit of a guiding force for him, showed him a little bit about how the ministry works and how to get the word out. And there is, and YouTube it, folks, because it's very intense. They have a show called The Way of the Master. And it is a show where they, it's kind of like, like street. I don't know, it's like Impractical Jokers or something because people don't know they're being filmed. And they go to the Middle okay. East, they go to Beirut, they go all over the place, and they confront people and ask them why they haven't accepted Jesus Christ as uh, their Savior. And it's just bonkers, some of the things that happen. Now, they don't show the ones where people probably chase them down the street, but, like, they're converting these people. Even even somebody in an Islamic country was just like, wow, maybe. And so Ray Comfort comes, I think he's Australian. I think this is the guy, I think he'll come up to him and say, all you sinner? random people and they're like uh yeah do you covet someone's wife have you ever told a white lie <laughs> he just goes through this list of things until these people are so befuddled and he's like well, you know who can walk that clean jesus christ and they're like some of these people are like oh my gosh you're right and he's just this master at just completely taking these people off guard and, and like converting them it's 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 magical to watch uh, so, like, YouTube it. It's just, like, you'll start, like, binging, like, two or three uh, of these uh, Way of the Masters episodes. So, uh, big Way of the Master tangent. He's had a radio show. He, well, he was a radio host for a while um, with uh, Todd Friel. Uh, one of the cool things is is that the woman who was in Growing Pains, seeing that, I don't think, I don't wish she was Growing Pains. He's been with his wife forever. Uh, and, you know, they've never gotten divorced. That's not even really in the plan. Unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, some of the things that he got a little, he got a little extreme with the COVID thing. He's a huge Donald Trump supporter, uh, believing that he was like really close to Jesus. And if that's your opinion, folks, and you like my show and that's what you believe, you're totally enti- entitled to believe that, that Donald Trump is, is very close to Jesus and how he was president. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. there were things like he recently he had uh, church services where no one was wearing a mask, and the, the you know the, the different cities came and said you gotta you can't have 200 people concert style on the grass without masks. So he was uh, definitely one of the people that said that it was kind of a hoax and so forth. Um, he had a de- he had a debate uh, with. Uh, people who were atheists and 
people who believe in evolution. It, it's just wild. I'm trying to find it. He had a debate and actually went and talked to them. And uh, he and his partner, they couldn't like really quote the Bible, but then they were quoting um, some of the uh, Ten Commandments and things like that. But I want to know more about it. And please just like get online and see if you can find it and send it to me or something. But um, in addition, he went onto college campuses and uh, printed uh, Darwin's uh, book, The Origin of Species, but he changed it. And it had its own subtext and he added things to it. And then he used what was in it to prove his point that evolution was a farce. And I'm like, I don't know if this guy is nuts or brilliant. <laughs> Just like, and, and, and the parts that like wouldn't make sense where he brought up, brought up uh, the evolution versus um, create or creation was mm -hmm. he was using um, examples like uh, uh, what's her name? I can't remember it. Uh, the the two-headed uh, cow. She he used that as the example that that was a genetic mutation. So you would think that two heads would be better than one, but it wasn't. It's short in the lifespan. Dolly, that was the name. No, yeah, Dolly's Dolly. the the yeah. Dolly's the so sheep. it that's right. Dolly the sheep. That was the um, the clone. So, but he was using that example that no, this isn't a superior creature. It actually has birth defects, and then also it had a shorter lifespan. And that's the extreme part, part of evolution. He wasn't talking about the whole piece of taking millions of years to have creation, or not creation, uh, evolution. He didn't talk about that piece of it. So I think that's where he had that hard time explaining that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it kind of in the same in the same category, I guess, or the same genre, there's a, uh, a documentary, which, um, and I'm so unprepared, guys, I'm sorry, because I get on these tangents and I didn't do the research for this, but I watched it with my wife, and it's about a theme park that's in a life-size uh, Noah's Ark. I, I pray you've seen this, no pun intended. It's, it's incredible. It's got animatronics of all of the characters from um, the story of Noah's Ark. It's Cubit-wise, it's exactly to the specs that the Bible says. It's got representations of every single animal that they feel was on the ark, uh, well, at least what they could fit. And they're making it so that when you walk into it, it's this life-size ark, and it's a theme park, and there are T-shirts and gift shops and, and you know, these really creepy animatronics, them telling the story and, and talk about Uncanny Valley. And everywhere there are these, it's the kids stuff. Kids, you know, turn your recorder on and listen to what this particular um, person has to say. And every stop is saying, um, the world is exactly this age. Um, we are not, uh, monkeys are not our our brothers and different things like that. And just as you go along, it's, it's and they love it. They, they love it. And the people just eat it up. And, you know, there were injunctions about how they were, building and creating the guy spent tons of money he i think he he paid for it all himself but it was just intriguing i want to go so bad is that have you ever heard of this i have heard of noah's ark yeah i think it's called like noah's ark or something yeah something like that and it's on the east or towards the east coast right like pennsylvania or something i can't remember yeah it's not super far from me i can't remember but 
I'm in North Carolina. So, so you'll, a lot of it'll be easier for you to, it'll be easier for you to go see it than it will be me. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's definitely something that I would have a hard time convincing my wife to go do. Uh, but that's what he's, that's what he's doing. And he's still going and he's still making films. And I don't particularly love his politics, but I got to say the guy is consistent to who he is. And, uh, you got to admire that. Give him, give him props for that. Yeah, you got to give him props for that. But also, I realized something, too, since the last time we recorded. Um, you, we did miss a part about Kirk Cameron. Did you realize he was in a video game? Yes. Do you know the remember. name of that video game? Uh, it's called remember. The Horde. So it was called The Horde, and it was put out by the 3DO system, which was also produced by uh, the Di- or was it Crystal Dynamics. and it was about, it was just kind of funny because you controlled his character, who was a servant boy named Chauncey. So, just great name, first off. And Weird. he was raised by cows. Oh, sweet, <laughs> sweet, sweet <laughs> irony. Oh, so it's just, it's just great. Yeah. And that one came out, and I believe it was what, 93, what was it, 90? No, it was 94 is when it came out. So, it was pretty so, funny. And yeah. it was one of the first. And it was one of the first early, like, um, CD games. Oh. So they were able to actually use the actual um, real footage of, of him in it. So yeah. it was pretty funny. That That is absolutely amazing. If you ever want to go, uh, contact me on Twitter. Um, it's at uh, Rotoro Comic, and just search for Brian Mateo Venegas. And... Sometimes I call into the Scalar Brothers show, and I, I'm I'm really just a huge fan of them, and they always kind of poke fun at the fact that I've got three names when I introduce myself, and I and I had to finally say, well, the fact is is that on my credit report I specifically have to put my three names because there is a violent felon by the name of Brian Vinick, who apparently <laughs> has very bad credit and very bad uh, uh, life choices. So I always have to say Brian Taylor Dace. And then there's another Brian Dace who's in SAG, who's a set designer. And he actually, we get each other's emails sometimes because his, uh, you know, I'm Brian Dot Venegas and he's Brian Venegas with no dot. And I'll get the weirdest oh, that's stuff. Funny. I won't even tell you some of the stuff. It's like um, single stuff, uh, people looking for other people for things that is not a family show type thing. Oh, and nice. I had I had to specifically show my wife. I'm like, look at the email. This is not me looking for people in the Bay Area. This is Brian Vegas, <laughs> the television set designer. And that's why I told the scholars it's Brian Mateo Vegas, and that's why I have the uh, this funny name. But uh, and yeah, it's, so, and it's funny and it's funny that you had that happen too, because because my name my name's fairly common. I mean, Michael's a very common name. Eugene's a fairly common name, and Romero's a very, very common name. But mm-hmm. at least you had some distance with people, not me. I used to get a bunch of letters from the courts for Michael Romero in Inglewood, which is a town over from, from Denver, all the time. And I, w- I would go to court a few times because I was like, I, I, I thought maybe I did get a speeding ticket and I didn't know. Or, but it finally got to the point where I was like, yeah, they realized it wasn't the right Social Security number. So that's how we figured out. And it was funny because we're also born on the same day. But a year oh. apart. I'm born in 83. He's born. It's crazy. 
<laughs> Dude, that that's got disaster written all over it. If you, if you could have something that's just just itching for uh, misfortune, that's it. But that and there are tons of Brian Venegas. If you Google Brian Venegas, there's a there is a, a a page where someone had lost their life to gun violence. Is Brian Venegas? There's uh, and Venegas is like it's not a super common name. I mean, there are some celebrities like Julieta Venegas, the singer from Mexico. Um, there's a soccer player named Venegas, stuff like that, but. It's not super. I'd say Romero is probably a Spanish name. That's a. I think Romero's a little bit more common. It's Romero. Yeah. Romero is a Smith Hispanic name, is what it is. Yeah, like Martinez, or you yeah. know things like that. Venegas is a weird, like it's a Moorish name originally. It's from like Ben Ben Gassi, or it means son of the Victorian. Uh, victorious, but anyway, super Spanish name tangent. But that's that's why I say Brian Mateo Venegas, and you know, I'm not trying to be, um, you know, uh, one up everyone with three names when I introduce myself. But it is very much <laughs> a tool of clarification, folks. Uh, it's not because I'm trying to boost my ego with more names. I but he does wear a monocle in life. I, so I'm just I'm just going to put that out there. He does wear a monocle I, when he says his name. So I don't. Wear a monocle. I wear, <laughs> I wear a bionicle. So I actually, my glasses are are two monocles put together, just to thumb my nose at those plebeians that have to wear frames. So yes, I, I have you, a, a double monocle. <laughs> oh, you only have one bad eye. I have two. I'm like I'm blind as a bat and no frames. <laughs> so now you know. Uh, and you can look online. You'll see my bionicles everywhere. I think this was fantastic and better than the first time, my friend. I would agree. It was much better. <laughs> it felt more more of a good flow, and it was fun. It was flowing and mixing and uh, amazing. I'm going to have this edited and, I promise, published tomorrow. And then it right. will go out Please post on your Facebook and such, my friend, and tell your friends, your friends, friends, and tell the people you know in Pakistan and uh, in India that keep listening. Yeah, that's, that's everyone. I <laughs> love the people who in other countries are listening to this podcast. It really does touch me. And I know that the fact is, is that sometimes people find podcasts because um, I – I'm distributed on some where they will give suggestions. If you like this keyword, someone could be putting in love or robot um, and uh, it'll pop up. And sometimes if I get something suggested to me and I didn't really request it, I'll start listening to it. I found quite a few podcasts that I like just by not finding another one I was looking for or getting one of the daily suggestions and then just following it until I had to like turn off my notifications because it got insane. Uh, Do you listen to, uh, do you you listen to, uh, Time suck? No. That's I think that'll be down your alley. I think that that one's a fun one. It's it's done by Dan Cummins, and oh, yeah. it's partly comedy, but it's mostly about like true crime and just like strange facts and stuff like that. They're real. It's really good. He does a lot of cults and a bunch of other stuff. So I think nice. that and scared to death. He does that scared to death and uh, is we dumb. So those are all fun. I listen to scared to death. That's the one with his wife, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. So you, you know some of his stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. You listen to Scared Death. That's with Lindsay. Yeah. And you know, it's it's funny. She's 
you know, she's she seems really nice, and and I I've watched them on YouTube. But man, mm-hmm. I, I, if I have to hear more about her different themed animal slippers and how cozy and scary <laughs> things are, and how spooky things are, and how they scream a bit, we're we take road trips where you know. Eileen and I, my wife, we're in the car sometimes for like 12 hours, like because we've got family all over the place. And I'll put that on, and she can do about two episodes. Um, there's another one called Campfire, and I can't remember the guy's name, but it's also spooky stories. And I yeah, love that it. one's fun too. What, what's the full name? Something something Campfire stories. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, I can't remember what it is either. And they're crazy. And he's like, he says the same thing every time somebody says, and then at that point, I saw Bigfoot. He goes, ooh, really? That's a head scratcher. And it's like he's totally eating breakfast or reading the paper. He's still not listening. But then he has the same, uh, he has the same responses for everything. And his wife actually, his mom saw the Virgin Mary, right? So that's his, his story when someone says, yeah, and I, I saw my grandfather. And it's like, did I ever tell you the story about when my mother saw the Virgin Mary? And it's like, awesome. It's like a drinking game. Every time you hear that, take a shot. And Eileen loses it when she hears him tell it. That's our, our big joke when we <laughs> listen to that. Apparently we've got, apparently my life is a time suck, speaking of. But uh, enjoy your new puppy, my friend. And well, do. your son and wife and your other dogs. And I will call you when um, I'm going to um, press the button on this and get it published. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, my friend. I miss seeing you in yeah, person. thanks for having me. I know. I, I will, can't uh, wait to see you soon. <laughs> I'll be out in August, so we'll get together. Okay, cool. Uh, sounds good. All right, everybody listening, thank you very much. I hope you have an amazing evening and enjoy whatever weather you have is better than the weather that you could have. Like right now, it's 70 degrees outside works for me. Denver, what do you guys like? 60? Uh, we're about 60. We finally kind of got away from snow, but it's been raining almost every single day. So again, as a roofer, I'm hoping we get hail. That's all I care about right now. Fantastic. <laughs> Wishing misfortune and other people for profit, my friend Michael Romero. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That is me. <laughs> it, is, it is good for business. It's good for business. It no, totally man, you, is. You jumped in and just like own that position, man. We're all real proud of you. You're doing great. Uh, Thanks. (laughs) Fantastic, man. I'm going to sign off. This is Brian Mateo Venegas, and this is Michael Romero, and this is Robot Love, or was so. Have a great evening. Everybody take care. Thank you for listening to Robot Love Podcast. Remember to check out Brian's comic, Rotoro, at rotorocomic.com. Thank you.